1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We begin with the historic transfer of power today. For the first time, a First Nation played host to the swearing in of a BC premier. At the Musqueam Community Centre, David Eby became BC's 37th premier. And as Richard Zussman reports, Eby wasted no time putting his ideas into action. <laughs>
2: Hitting the ground running with shoes on to remember his dad, David Eby, now British Columbia's premier.
3: Please raise your right hand and repeat after
2: me. Sworn in Friday morning, his first two announcements, a pair of affordability programs.
4: These are massive challenges and if the pandemic taught us anything, it's that we can't solve these problems alone.
2: All residential and commercial electricity customers will get a BC Hydro credit, $100 for residential customers, including those with services from Fortis BC or a municipal utility, with $500 for commercial rate payers, with the credit applied in December.
4: BC Hydro had a very strong year. We can provide support to British Columbians who need it, who are in distress about the cost of living.
2: And there is the new BC Affordability Credit to help low and middle income earners. An additional $164 per adult, $41 per kid. As much as $410 for a family with two kids coming in the new year for those earning $43,000. And a sliding scale up to families earning as much as $150,000.
4: Because we've been responsible we can also deliver a one-time B.C. affordability credit for low- and middle-income people who are struggling with rising costs of grocery,
2: fuel. Thanks, the B.C. Liberals uh, already out to try to make their best frame of the new premier.
4: He's been the minister responsible for housing and after five years of NDP government, B.C. has ended up with the highest housing prices in North America.
2: Eby also prioritizing the relationship with First Nations across the province, sending that message loud and clear by having his swearing-in ceremony at the Musqueam First Nation.
5: When we talk about truth and reconciliation, I've said numerous times that reconciliation is hopefully not just a word. The
2: transition to power full of emotion, a blanketing ceremony to welcome Premier Eby and an acknowledgement from the new Premier towards the man he replaces... John Horgan.
4: I'll let you in on a secret, really. Uh, I'm not as tall as I look. Um, Because I'm standing on the shoulders of John Horgan.
2: And EB isn't stopping. Sunday, a major public safety announcement. Monday, two pieces of housing legislation with promises of much, much more. Richard Zussman, Global News, Vancouver. And for
1: more, we'll bring in Keith Baldry now from Victoria. Keith, this type of transition is really rare. There was no election. Mm -hmm. There is no scandal.
5: Yeah, very unusual, very rare. The last nine transfers of power between premiers came after an election or a scandal or some internal dissent. Here's a review of what I'm talking about going back about 35 years. It starts with Van Der Zandt handing off to Rita Johnson amid a scandal. Johnson to Harcourt after an election. Harcourt to Glenn Clark in the midst of a scandal. Clark to Dan Miller uh, in the midst of a scandal. Miller to with the still tied to the previous scandal. Dosange to Campbell because an election result. Campbell to Clark. There was internal dissent in the Liberal. And finally, Clark, Christy Clark to John Horgan after that 2017 election. Very unusual. Another unusual thing today. In, f- in fact, an historical first, for the first time, an outgoing premier talked and gave a speech at the swearing-in ceremony of the incoming premier. Here's John Horgan.
6: I want to acknowledge also, as, as Wayne did, those uh, who are here. I want to acknowledge uh, my friend Mike Harcourt, my mentor, uh, Glenn Clark. And I also want to acknowledge, as with those ancestors who are looking down on Musqueam territory today, Dave Barrett is looking down, and he's saying, I never thought I would see a BC NDP premier passing the baton to a BC NDP premier.
1: And also, just given the place where that happened, uh, he said his proudest accomplishment was getting undripped past mm-hmm. in our legislature as well. So obviously there's a close, close community tie there. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit, Keith, and a major change came, we just learned about it, advice from the BCCDC regarding COVID-19 cases that signals a real shift in policy now. What did you learn?
5: Yeah, this has been coming for some time. The Centre for Disease Control announcing, as effective as of yesterday, you are no no longer required to self-isolate if you test positive for COVID-19. It doesn't mean you should walk around the community and such, stay home as much as possible if you continue to have symptoms, and follow the guidelines of your workplace. But the formal requirement to self-isolate for a period of days is now gone. All
1: right, good to hear it. Thanks very much, Keith. Have a good weekend.
5: Well, with barely any children's
1: cold and flu medicine in stores, there's now some encouraging news for parents. Health Canada says it's importing a foreign supply of kids' medicine. The need is great with the so-called triple-demic sending a growing number of children to the hospital. Kylie Stanton reports.
7: For months, parents and caregivers have watched as the supply dwindled and the shelves sat bare, leaving many desperate.
8: It's a disaster. <laughs> it's the nicest way I could put it. And... So many parents are panicking.
7: But relief is finally on the way. After next week, more than one million bottles of product will have entered Canada to supply hospitals, community pharmacies and retailers, and medications will start appearing on store shelves starting early next week. Health Canada officials announcing Friday it's allowing foreign products to supplement the Canadian supply, its latest attempt to keep up with surging demand. These foreign products include liquid ibuprofen for children and liquid acetaminophen for children and babies. The nationwide shortage of children's Tylenol and Advil began this past spring as manufacturers struggled to source the necessary raw ingredients. But even after that issue was sorted and production ramped up to record levels, it still wasn't enough. With the arrival really early of the triple-demic they're calling it, so the RSV, influenza, and then COVID still being there. Supply and demand, the balance was just always, the demand side was always there. That's landed more kids in hospital and the ICU, only adding to an already strained healthcare system. And while the supply there is stabilizing, once it hits the shelves, it will be on parents to do their due diligence. Given that this will be coming from other countries, I don't know what their dosing is going to be like so don't use the usual Tylenol dosing that you're used to and you know make sure you check the labels and speak to a pharmacist or your doctor if if there are any concerns that said the best way to protect young children is to keep them from needing the medication in the first place officials once again urging parents to vaccinate and go back to the basics. Using layers of protection like wearing a good quality well-fitted face mask and frequent hand washing not only help to protect you, but also help reduce overall spread. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: Hard to believe wildfires are forcing a local state of emergency in November, but that's what's happening in the Fraser Valley right now. As Sarah McDonald reports, it's all part of our unusually dry fall and lingering drought conditions.
9: When was the last time you saw a wildfire
8: in B.C. in mid-November? Oh, it's unusual, very unusual, And, and I'm thinking the bushes must be really, really dry right now. I think it's kind of
10: really strange that,
3: you know, we're having this
10: kind of weather and fires in november i mean it's usually raining
9: two fires believed to be human caused and further fed by strong winds have the agassiz area on high alert as we head into the weekend
4: it's not uncommon to see a wildfire but
5: it is a bit uncommon to see one get into the uh, forest and and maintain for uh, uh Uh, The time this one has maintained and continue to grow. Both fires somehow
9: sparked by someone Thursday morning and still smoldering, with multiple agencies and fire departments now conducting a coordinated effort by land and air to get the fall wildfires under control. Until that happens, a local state of emergency remains in effect with these properties, among others, under evacuation alert. Complicating any firefight is a shortage of water as parts of the province remain under drought-like conditions.
10: From atmospheric River last November to virtual drought conditions now, it's just a challenge for us trying to get water.
9: With salmon in the Tri-Cities being plucked from Hyde Creek to have their eggs harvested as the water runs dry.
4: This is a smaller uh, watershed um, and it's been affected by a lot of different things and it's more susceptible to these pressures like climactic and weather weather pressures we're having
9: pressures the Sunshine Coast has grown all too familiar with too still under tight water restrictions with precipitation of any kind desperately needed
11: of course it's concerning but what can one person do
9: fire officials here say they're making good progress in their fight now working alongside the RCMP in their investigation though no criminality is suspected.
6: I just hope nobody's injured and uh, I hope they get it out real soon.
9: As fall flames continue to burn in the Fraser Valley. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Agassi.
1: The family of the Vancouver Island man who was killed in his home is speaking out today during the trial of the two prison escapees who are accused of the crime. Aaron MacArthur has that and some exclusive police photos of the crime scene, which we should warn you might be disturbing to some viewers.
12: Forensic evidence Friday turning to fingerprints. Crown linking the accused fingerprints to key objects inside of Martin Payne's home. Payne's daughters also speaking about a difficult first week at trial.
0: For myself personally, maybe the hardest part is that it's been three years. Um, But seeing those images, I wouldn't wish that on anybody.
12: Martin Payne's daughters have been looking for answers for three years now about their dad's murder. Over the course of the first week of trial, some of those details have become clearer.
8: Certainly things are coming to light that I've been wondering about continually, nonstop for the last three, almost and a half years.
12: The jury has heard how in July 2019, Martin Payne was found dead on his bathroom floor, his right arm and legs bound in duct tape. Today, forensic expert Kimberly Sarson testified a fingerprint matching Zachary Armitage was found on a tape dispenser that was used to roll out duct tape as well as the notepad where the phrase what is your pins for cards was written. Prints to both accused also found on a newspaper recovered in Payne's Ford F-150. The jury has been led step by step through the forensic process for the last two days. The Crown's theory about the murder carefully being laid out for the 12-person jury.
0: We've been very grateful for the meticulous nature of the questions that they've been presenting and how they've been presenting them.
12: The first week of trial has exposed Martin Payne's family to some horrible images of the crime scene, including what Crown alleges were the murder weapons. A hatchet and a large Bowie knife, as well as blood-soaked sheets and blankets, were found in the home. His daughters choosing to remember their dad as he was in life and not in the gruesome testimony they have endured so far.
8: He was very caring and compassionate. We could call him when we were teenagers at any hour of the night and say, Dad, we need a ride, or Dad, we need help, and he'd come and get us. Um, no problem, no questions asked. You know, he was um, the best dad we could have hoped for.
12: The trial is scheduled to last five weeks, but it could stretch out longer than that. The Payne family says they will be here every step of the way. Zachary Armitage and James Lee Bush stand accused of first-degree murder. Aaron McCarthy. Global News.
1: Police in Merritt are investigating an early morning shooting they think is targeted. Gunshots were heard on Priest Avenue. Police say this truck is believed to be the suspect vehicle. Officers say the mid-90s grade Dodge Ram pickup fled the scene. Investigators say after the shooting they received calls about a burning vehicle and according to police the truck was stolen around 5:30 this morning. Charges have been laid in a stabbing that happened right next to the Richmond RCMP detachment. The stabbing happened Wednesday at a warehouse near Steveston Highway and Number 5 Road. Police found two people suffering stab wounds, but the suspect had already run away. Police launched a search and tracked him down near the highway in Abbotsford. Andrew Patrick Waynes faces two counts of aggravated assault. He remains in custody. Both victims are expected to recover from their injuries. A BC-wide arrest warrant has been issued for a man accused of threatening to stab a security guard with a knife. Police say he is a dangerous threat to the public. Vancouver's police are asking for your help to find him. He's 44-year-old Mohammed Adada. Police say he failed to attend a court appearance. The charge relates to an incident that occurred on August 30th in Champlain Heights. Officers say a security guard asked Adada to move along when Adada allegedly threatened him with a knife. Adada has already been convicted for five different assaults since May of 2021. Thousands of footy fans are heading to Qatar for the soccer World Cup. Vancouver's new mayor is among them. It means he'll miss his first police board meeting, but that's not the reason some people say he shouldn't be going at all. How Sim defends the trip next on the News Hour. Here we go. <laughs> Global meteorologist Anthony Farnell finds out firsthand how tough it is to get around in a Buffalo snowstorm. That's coming up on the NewsHour. And Canadian legend Ken LaCousta fought all the top boxers. The hardest punch he ever took. Coming up later in sports. Right now, though, Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim will travel to Qatar this month for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. It's a vacation Sim says he planned long before he was elected mayor. But some are questioning whether Sim should try to go to a country with such a poor record on human rights. Emadagahi
13: reports. Less than two weeks after officially becoming the new mayor of Vancouver, Ken Sim is packing his bags for a trip halfway across the world.
1: Well, I'm excited. It it was a trip that was planned quite a while ago, and uh, I'm a big Team Canada supporter, both of the women's team and the men's team.
13: Sim is headed to the World Cup in Qatar on what he says is a personal trip. It's something that you're doing on your own dime. Yeah, I'm doing it all on my own dime. His decision to go on this trip comes at a time during which the entire international spotlight is on Qatar over serious allegations surrounding that country's human rights record, especially when it comes to the working conditions for the thousands of migrant workers who built the stadiums and infrastructure for the games.
7: Many of these people haven't been paid. There are also an extraordinary number of deaths associated with the construction. So on that basis alone uh i would advise the mayor against going to qatar
13: there is also controversy over the country's strict anti-lgbtq laws
7: i think it's a failure of him to appreciate the symbolic weight that he carries as an elected official
13: when you became mayor any hesitation on still going after that
1: i you know i did speak with uh, some of our colleagues and um you know um made sure that they felt good about it.
13: Sim says he will also look to learn from this trip ahead of 2026 when Vancouver hosts some of the games. Even though the city is already sending a staff delegation. Why not just let them go and report back to you? Well, um, I'm a big believer in you you walk the shop floor, so to speak. um, you, You pick up things firsthand. While the mayor will be in Qatar watching the World Cup, back here at home his seat will be empty. As the chair of the police board, Sim will miss a very important meeting to discuss the upcoming budget for the Vancouver Police next year.
14: The optics of making a decision to go away so soon, in your first quarter of your first year, in the first couple of weeks, uh, are not particularly positive and I would say uh, probably a bad idea.
13: Sim says the opposite, arguing his decision to go to Qatar as Vancouver's mayor is a responsible thing to do. Global News.
1: Meanwhile, a new poll reveals how people feel about the World Cup and Canada playing in it. According to exclusive Ipsos polling for Global News, seven in ten people say the World Cup qualification makes them proud to be Canadian. But in terms of viewership, only a third will pay close attention to the event. Six in ten say they couldn't care less. World Cup interest is driven by age, with most people 18 to 34 most likely to watch closely just ahead the abandoned boats of false creek our problem is trying to track down the owners the vpd marine unit highlights a huge barrier to making that waterway more user friendly and taylor swift fights for her fans what she says about the fiasco that took down ticketmasters
7: over top of the Portman Bridge, west end of the bridge deck, for eastbound traffic on Highway 1, we have this accident. You're just squeezing by in two lanes. Traffic is heavily backed up into Burnaby. When renewing your ICBC Auto Plan Insurance online, select your nearest Sussex Insurance. When prompted for an online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates, select Sussex Insurance today. High above the accident at the Portman Bridge in Global One, I'm Jennifer Lee.
1: if you've been down to false creek in vancouver lately there is no escaping the sight of several boats anchored just offshore they're in various states of disrepair and some have been there for an awfully long time but as paul johnson reports vancouver police say they're making progress clearing derelict and abandoned vessels
6: you can really see the outline there coming up on the site of a sunken boat in the east end of false creek it's a 40 to 45 foot wooden uh, it's an old tugboat. Its top is just below the surface so it's a hazard to navigation. It's shedding parts and pollutants and the bill to clean this up goes to you, fellow taxpayer. Obviously someone has to bring this out of the water. It's not going to be inexpensive. We're on a ride along with Sergeant Darren McDougal of the Vancouver Police Marine Unit. Among the things they do is trying to maintain order among the dozens of private boats that anchor in Falls Creek. You're supposed to have a permit to be here, but of the 76 boats in the creek Friday, only four had one. It, this has been an ongoing thing in Falls Creek. It started probably before I started policing uh, 21 years ago. COVID only made the situation worse. And in recent months, we've heard from many residents of Falls Creek condos unhappy with the sight of the rusting hulks and dismantled sailboats that are fit to go nowhere. Basically what I think is people are coming along board alongside this boat um, at times and just coming out here to party because I've all I've seen on here is empties. While improving the aesthetics is welcome, their top priority is actually safety. Many of the boat owners don't appear to have adequate equipment, have unknown levels of experience a medical emergency out here could be a big problem. McDougal's been struggling to make proper contact with the owner of this boat who comes and goes and remains a bit of a mystery. We're not trying to make his life miserable, we're just trying to make sure he's safe. In the winter months, boaters can anchor in False Creek for 21 days out of 40 and can return as often as they want. Given the prime location, the rules actually make for a pretty good deal. Just don't cruise in without a permit or on something ready to sink. You're likely to see Sergeant McDougall pulling alongside. In False Creek, Paul Johnson, Global News. Up next, the B.C.
1: city solving its own housing problems. We're trying to take a very steady path. How Burnaby is breaking records with its towering residential developments. And what it could be a lot why it could be a lot harder to find the perfect natural Christmas tree this year. Tune in to Rise for BC Kids. See firsthand how BC Children's Hospital is transforming healthcare for children. At BC Children's Hospital, Small is Mighty. Rise for BC Kids, Saturday, November 26th, in partnership with Global BC.
7: Over top of the Patello Bridge, southbound traffic on McBride is heavily backed up to 10th Avenue. This is all due to a problem that we're having over at the Portman Bridge. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimate of $43 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. High above the Patello Bridge, I'm Jennifer Lee in Global One.
1: Check out the Burnaby skyline these days, and it's a forest of construction cranes. The city that was once seen as a haven for the single-family home is now dotted with high-rises, setting a yearly record for the value of the building permits, and it's still November. And as Kristen Robinson reports, the transformation is nowhere near its peak.
8: Almost everywhere you look in Burnaby, you'll find construction, which didn't pause during COVID. The digging, smashing records as the city builds up around its four town centers.
13: We stayed
4: steady on the road and didn't shut down during the pandemic. That now you're starting to see these permits come into fruition.
8: The number of building permits issued in Burnaby increased from just under 1,100 last year to 1,133 in 2022 to date, while the value of those permits soared from $1 billion to $2.1 billion, A 106% jump year over year.
4: And so although the the number of permits hasn't increased um, that much because the the individual projects that we're approving right now are so much uh, larger and complex that the value that goes into those approvals is quite a bit higher than it has been in the past.
8: From single residential towers with townhouses to mixed-use multifamily and commercial developments, the city says this growth is partially driven by council's adoption of rental use zoning and rooted in decades of consultation.
4: That foundation of community planning of course is really important because it it establishes uh, an expectation with the community. They've been involved in the process.
8: Urban expert Andy Yen says Burnaby is also attractive to developers for its transit access and bureaucratic consistency.
6: They were able to build a process through which developers were able to quickly get their building permits through, as opposed to having it jammed up in a process that would take months, if not years, uh,
4: possibly even decades, to get through. I don't think we'll be comparable to Vancouver or anywhere else.
8: With just under a quarter of a million residents, Burnaby is looking to establish its own identity. After years of being in the shadow of the big city, Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: In health matters tonight, various Harmony brand bassinets and change tables have been recalled due to a potential suffocation and entrapment hazard. The voluntary recall includes accessories that were determined to not meet playpen regulations, according to Health Canada. Officials say the errors in the product's instructions and certain parts could make them unsafe to leave a child unattended. So far, no injuries have been reported in Canada. Consumers are advised to contact Harmony for more instructions on how to properly use the products. Coming up, the Christmas tree shortage. Get one as soon as possible. Why, you'll have a lot fewer trees to choose from this year and maybe next year, too. But first, wading through waist deep snow to get the story the storm that buried Buffalo, New York, and where it's headed next. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> that is Global News Chief Meteorologist Anthony Farnell navigating waist-high snow in Buffalo, New York, trying to get to his live hit location. It was terrible. A relentless lake-effect snowstorm has dumped up to four feet of snow on the city in 24 hours, and more snow is on the way tonight before it's expected to taper off tomorrow. The storm is now headed north and could hit parts of eastern Canada over the weekend. Anthony will be back home once he digs out his car. Well, if you're in the market for a real Christmas tree this year, you might want to get it sooner rather than later. As Catherine Urquhart reports, a perfect storm of factors is contributing to a shortage of trees.
10: Whether it's a Charlie Brown tree... Or something larger. Many of us enjoy the annual tradition of putting up a tree. But if you want one this year, act quickly.
4: There will be a short supply and I guess I encourage uh, people that do want a live tree to uh, get one as soon as possible.
10: Why the lack of supply? Reasons include drought, the heat dome in 2021, retirement of farmers and the increasing cost of land. The industry is changing. There are a lot of... uh... New generation that the real estate market is hot Um, they make a lot more money by selling the farm than by farming it you gotta love what you're doing at aldor acres in langley they're hoping to be the exception when it comes to lack of supply we will have enough trees for sure i know that uh, there is a high demand for trees but we've grown a lot of trees and we also bring a lot of trees in to supplement what we grow in our fields. This little guy is a Fraser Ferd. Tree pricing will vary as usual.
4: I'm sure some growers will uh, increase their prices. I don't know. Our, our price is going to remain the same as last year.
10: BC's Christmas Tree Association hopes the province will encourage farmers to grow more trees. One's big and and small. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. And sometimes perfectly imperfect. It's not bad at all, really. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: Starting to get into the spirit now. All right, uh, let's see what's to come in the weather. Assuming not a white weekend, uh, it's kind of steady as she goes. Christy's got the details right now.
3: Yeah, I thought I'd actually talk a little bit about the drought, very different from what they're experiencing out east, Chris. Uh, We're about two thirds of the way through November, and we've had only 40% of the typical precipitation in the month of November. November is our wettest month with 186 millimeters of rain typically. And when you think about the drought that we've gone through or the 10 days of gorgeous conditions, that's very rare for this month. I mean, we do get stretches of weather, but for us to have 10 days, one more on the way. uh, So this is no, it's no surprise that we're with this so it's really important to remind everyone to be really diligent. The fact that we are seeing dew in the morning doesn't mean that those fine fuels are uh, wet right now. There is still quite a bit of drought and in addition to that we're seeing strong outflow winds today and we're going to again tomorrow and that's really helping to fan the fires right now which is not not great news. Now we are expecting sunshine tomorrow except for the north coast. You'll start to see cloud cover shift in through that region. We'll see a little bit in through the northern Vancouver Island area. For our region on Sunday We will see more cloud cover and it is expected to be dry through much of the day, but by Sunday even we'll start to see rainfall shift in and that takes us into more of a fall like pattern. All right. Here's a look at your Saturday, everyone. So fair amount of cloud cover still in through the Caribou southern interior region. That's the valley cloud that we've talked about. Highs reaching only minus two, but lots of sunshine for us here across the South coast with highs reaching only eight degrees today, though it will feel cooler than what we've experienced today. At least one day of sunshine before it transitions back to cloud cover on sunday and then monday we are expecting or as i mentioned on sunday night we'll really see rain and we've got two sort of systems on deck sunday night and then one again on tuesday tonight central windows weather window coming to you from prince rupert where this little guy was captured in the sunlight looking out over the water thank you to albert stevens for that all right chris back to you
1: beautiful shot okay thanks very much christy Taylor Swift is weighing in on the controversy around Ticketmaster and her upcoming tour, The Eras, that has left many fans upset. Ticketmaster,
10: better count its days.
1: People who tried to buy tickets Tuesday in a pre-sale dealt with massive delays and error messages. A general public sale set for today was cancelled. So Swift commented on the situation today, writing in part that it is, quote excruciating for me to just watch mistakes happen with no recourse. She added, we asked them multiple times if they could handle this kind of demand and we were assured they could. It's unclear when the issues with Ticketmaster will be resolved and when fans can actually get their hands on tickets. The company is under investigation right now.
10: I never could have imagined how insane this whole process has been.
1: (laughs) The 52-date tour kicks off March 17th. Swift isn't coming to Vancouver, and her closest location to B.C. is Seattle, where she'll be next July, if you are planning to take that in. All right, Squires here with a look ahead to sports.
15: Well, tonight we're going to talk to a legendary fighter from Edmonton, Ken LaCusta, who uh, took on some of the toughest heavyweight boxers of all
14: time. The guy who could punch the hardest with one punch was Tommy Morrison. Uh, Number two hardest puncher was uh, Mike Tyson, and number three, George Foreman.
15: He got punched by them all. This guy was one of the toughest dudes you have ever seen. Didn't win a lot, but he was tough.
1: Able to shake it off. All right, we'll uh, see that a little bit later, Squire. We'll also have satellite debris for you. We're back right after this.
12: shirt day reminds us all to be
16: kind to lift each other up to speak up for those who don't have a voice you know like every day the cknw kids fund pink shirt day presented by global bc and cknw 980 visit our online store at pinkshirtday.ca
1: Squires here with sports. Big game for the Canucks at home tonight.
15: Yeah, actually, it's the only game in the NHL tonight, which is very strange, mm-hmm. but it is. The uh, Canucks are home to the LA Kings this evening. It's a team that's ahead of Vancouver in the standings. I guess I could say that about a lot of teams right now. Uh, look for Thatcher Demko to starting goal for Vancouver today. The Canucks sent Will Lockwood, who played pretty well in Buffalo, uh, back to Abbotsford because Curtis Lazar is coming off the injured list. Lazar and Vasily Pod in our game time decisions. Now, Pod and has been the bubble boy at practice, going with the full face shield to protect his right eye, which uh, suffered a nasty cut and shiner after this fight against A.J. Greer on Sunday. And when he got home to Vancouver, Vasily's wife was very blunt with him.
4: What does your wife think of your eye?
12: Uh, she said, to you, you do. It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, she's probably been right. Tough game. Mm-hmm.
15: Uh, North Vancouver's Connor Bedard is the leading scorer in the Western Hockey League. He is the leading player for next year's NHL draft. He's the leading man wherever the Regina Pats play. And they'll start a B.C. road trip next Friday against the Vancouver Giants. From there, they'll go to Victoria, Kelowna, Kamloops, and Prince George. I would be surprised if any of those games weren't sold out. Last night, Connor Bedard scored another Highlight real goal against a very good team in Winnipeg. Check this out. Right off the faceoff, Bedard gets the puck right here.
13: And here he goes. Around
15: two, around the goalie, it's in. You know, if the Canucks don't make the playoffs and finish really low in the standings and get lucky in the lottery... You it's never know. Ifs. I know. But wouldn't it be nice if Connor Bedard got the play for the hometown team. Last, last night in Kamloose, it was Canada and the USA in the rivalry series. And Marie-Philippe Poulin on the penalty shot. Nice. But Canada didn't win this game. The US did. Alex Carpenter jamming in the puck here. Right from the doorstep, the Americans win it 2-1. Sunday, these two teams will play down in Seattle. An American boxing promoter once said to me during a radio interview, I can't remember his name though, that he loved Canadian heavyweights because they lead with their face. They are not afraid to take punches. George Chevalo was that way, and so was Edmonton's Ken Lacusta. Watching Lacusta fight made you feel sympathy pains for him, but he always survived. He was a special guest at the annual Night of Fights at the Italian Cultural Center, and Lacusta fought some of the most famous and feared heavyweights in boxing history. And he was happy to talk about all of it.
14: He is the current Canadian heavyweight champion,
12: Ken Lacusta! Ken
11: Lacusta was a Canadian heavyweight champion back in 1990, but his bigger claim to fame was fighting and losing to some of the biggest names in boxing. We're talking George Foreman, Larry Holmes, Tommy Morrison, and Razor Ruddock, among others. A star-studded list of world champs and top 10 contenders. But there was a reason all of those great fighters wanted to take on Ken Lacusta.
14: I think I fell in that bracket where they weren't really worried about losing, but they wanted a, a, a good fight, and they wanted a test, a bit of a test. Either you want a good record and not get paid, or you want to just fight as many good fighters you can and get paid.
11: Perhaps Lacusta's most famous moment ever was when he rocked then 41-year-old George Foreman during Foreman's comeback, where he eventually became world champ again at age 45. But on one night in his hometown of Edmonton, Lacusta literally came off the canvas and stunned Big George with a huge right hand.
14: I got up and I thought to myself, well if you get up you better give it your one shot anyways and just pretend you're hurt and then just crack him with a good shot and I tried to do it and it worked. I mean, he thought, and I thought everybody thought I was finished early there. And I walked towards him like I was dazed, and all of a sudden he put his hands down, and I just come over with that overhand right, and and I caught him. And I was I was, I was happy I caught him with that. But George Foreman is a very very tough guy to beat. He's a, he's like the big Terminator. He just keeps coming. It is
16: over. It, it, oh.
11: Lacusta was so tough. He was Mike Tyson's sparring partner in 1988. When a then 21-year-old Tyson was pulverizing everyone in his path, but Lacusta realized it wasn't a great career move to keep sparring with Tyson.
14: I boxed with Mike Tyson in Tokyo for five weeks, and it was rough. They offered me to come back for the uh, in New Jersey the second time, buy me a brand new car and, and 2,500 US a week and 10,000 US bonus, and I turned them down because it was very rough.
11: Lacusta says Tommy Morrison was actually the hardest punch he ever took, followed by Tyson and Foreman. But through all that, he's come through it amazingly well, now at age 67.
14: I remember I was talking to Vinny Pazianzi, and I was in Las Vegas, and me and Vinny were getting a picture. And two guys, Canadians, walked by and he says, hey, that guy fought George Foreman and Larry Holmes. And Vinny Pazianzi looks at me and says, you fought Larry Holmes, he's a friend of mine. And I says, yeah, I fought fought Larry. He says, oh, you won. And I says, no, no, I didn't win. He says, no, you won because nobody. He don't talk like you talk.
15: Uh, It is amazing. You see there the kind of shots he took from some fearsome punchers. Mm
1: -hmm. Still so sharp too. Yep. Great to have him out here as a guest for sure. Thanks, Squire. Satellite debris coming up next. Stick around. Jordan Armstrong made some very good wardrobe choices today. He joins us now with a look at what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight, Jordan.
4: Twinning, as the kids say, right? Chris, a major police operation is underway in Merritt just hours after another shooting in the community. RCMP have closed off the 1700 block of Nicola Avenue and are urging people to stay away. Heavily armed members of the gang enforcement unit have flooded the area. Now, earlier in the day, as we told you earlier in the news hour, a home in the 2100 block of Priest Street was shot up and a stolen pickup truck found a short time later near Highway 5A. It's believed today's shooting is connected to an incident earlier in the week when close to 100 shots were fired at three homes. Plus, mixed news tonight on the water situation for the Sunshine Coast. We'll have all the details at 11. Chris? All right, sounds good. Thank you very much,
1: Jordan. All right, let's do it. Satellite Debrita and The Week. Squire's here now.
15: All right, uh, we'll start off. We actually ran uh, one of these ones a few weeks ago. Here's a different one for, I don't think they're in Canada, Dave's Hot Chicken. Mmm.
0: This food is Dave's Hot Chicken. It's juicy, hot, and spice to order. My brother Ryan loved hot chicken. And he would have loved teams. If it weren't for his other love. Time travel.
15: And now, to warn the dinosaurs about the asteroid. Goodbye, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye idiots, I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Well, he, it was a noble cause. He was gonna go warn the dinosaurs about the asteroid. I'm not so sure if he could speak dinosaur, but <laughs> be a good try. Okay, this one is from uh, Skittles, here we go. Faster.
11: You know, you don't have to put him through that. You can buy Skittles downstairs. Why? These are free, and it's an endless supply.
6: Sweat the rainbow. Taste the rainbow.
15: I just liked it (laughs) because it was weird. That's the only reason I put it in. Okay, so this one is a bit longer. It features uh, Peyton Manning, who's in a lot of commercials, Mm -hmm. and David Beckham. It's a Frito-Lays ad for the upcoming World Cup.
16: Beckham in the house, watching a little soccer, nice. Bro, are you eating my legs? Yep. Wow. It's the FIFA World Cup. And it's football. All right, don't start. Those are chips. Crisps. Those are cleats on my chair. Boots. But that is soccer. No, my friend, that is football. Okay. There's 700 million people watching this little football match right now. That's gotta hurt. Ah, Definition. Soccer is a round ball. Football is an oval ball. Like those golden balls? These souvenirs. Wow. We're gonna talk about your Teen Choice Awards? It's so sad. That hurts. That hurts, actually. But we'll ask the world. Is it called football, football? football, football. Or soccer? It's football.
7: Tackle. we're playing soccer
8: here.
5: Mia, you're on my field. It's football here.
8: She's right. It's soccer. Have you won two World Cups? Does
5: it look like I've won two World Cups?
8: All right, Brandy, the debate rages on.
7: Is it football? It's football. Soccer. Football. It's soccer.
13: My Doritos. Football.
0: Or is it soccer?
13: It all comes down to this.
0: Come on, Jules. Baby. We're doing that again, huh? It's a classic. It's Chinchurito against Howard.
6: He shoots
16: Pachito! Oh, Pachitos! And Howard's
8: down! No. Chetos.
16: Football started the 12th century. That's like ancient. Then U.S. football. Evolved from soccer, rugby. I own my own soccer team. I know. You just said the word soccer. Did not. You said soccer because you know you said soccer. You heard yourself say soccer. You heard wrong. Absolutely not. My house, my rules, you said soccer. Prove it.
13: Learn it, love it, Are you certified soccer. by Parks and Recreation to be on this field?
16: Don't hung with Tostitos. It says soccer mom, not football mom. You ever argue with soccer mom?
12: No matter what you call it, don't forget the chips for the FIFA World Cup. <laughs>
15: uh, Speaking of the FIFA World Cup, Alphonso Davies arrived in Qatar today because he was back in Germany, getting his hamstring back in shape. Hopefully it'll be in shape for Game 1 for Canada, which is against Belgium on Wednesday, because we need Alphonso Davies desperately.
1: Yes, we do. Other great players on that team, but together. Oh, yeah. I
15: mean, Canada, Canada has a lot of good young players. We're fast, but Alphonso Davies is... Is world class
1: exciting to think about them being back after? Well, how long has it been? Thirty-six, 1880s, 36 years. Thirty-six years. years Amazing. Like that,
14: yeah.
1: Uh, okay, Christie's here. Uh, last look at uh, maybe that five day before we go.
3: Sure. So I absolutely recommend you get outside tomorrow. We'll see a little bit of patchy fog in the morning, but generally sunny day with highs of reaching only eight degrees. So a touch cooler than what we saw today it should be mostly dry on Sunday, but we will certainly see more cloud cover, but likely by Sunday evening, we're back in a fall like weather as the first of a series of storms move on. Sure.
1: All right. Well, you can enjoy all kinds of football on Sunday and you aren't wrong in either sport mm-hmm. saying it. Great cup, NFL. FIFA World Cup. Have a great weekend, everybody.